you were listening to the Red Hill Church Sermon Podcast. Red Hill Church is a gospel-centered, missional church in the Edwardsville Glen Carbon community of the St. Louis Metro East. We exist to glorify God and make disciples by sharing the gospel and sharing our lives. Over the next three weeks, we will be diving into a mini-series on our discipleship strategy. Pastor Raiden will be sharing how we can be a part of the mission of God in our average, everyday lives. If you were looking for the next steps to take in your faith, this series is a good place to start. Hey, good morning, y'all. If you would remain standing for the reading of God's Word, I'm Marcus, and I'll be reading from Acts chapter 1, verses 6 through 8 today. So when they had come together, they asked him, Lord, will you at this time restore the kingdom to Israel? And he said to them, It is not for you to know times or seasons that the Father has fixed by his own authority. But you will receive power when the Holy Spirit has come upon you. And you will be my witnesses in Jerusalem and in all Judea and Samaria and to the end of the earth. The word of the Lord. Good morning. My name is... Hold on a second. I was, I was looking at it when I was sitting there. I was like, I bet that thing has to be like loosened before I can move it. So, yeah, there we go. My name is David Seaton. I am a pastor at uh, Heights Community. My brain just went blank. It's early. It's early for me, I feel like, for some reason. I don't know, I'm dragging this morning. But I'm at Heights Community. We're in Collinsville. Uh, we've been there for since just a year after you guys planted in 2015. We planted in 2016 originally as Heights or as, as Collinsville Community, and then we merged with another church a couple of years ago, almost three years ago now. And it's been really cool. Um, married to my wife Emily, we actually came here for a little bit during a sabbatical I had back in September, and um, yeah, it was it was awesome. Just so you guys know, like if I was not on staff at a, at a church, I was thinking about this my drive here. This is where I'd probably attend. I have all the churches in Metro East. I just I love Raiden. I love Sarah, their kids, and just and you guys as elders, and just always just the the atmosphere and, and the environment that you guys create. So I just want you to know, like this is an amazing church. And so when I say it's an honor to get to preach here, I really mean that because this is where I would probably go if I was not on staff at a church. So yeah, um, Raiden he texted me. I don't know, probably two months ago, maybe a month and a half ago, and said, Hey, could you preach on March fifth? So myself and Corey, the other pastor that preaches at Heights, we like looked at the schedule and I wasn't up to preach. So I was like, yep, that's easy. I, I don't even have to like try to find someone to fill in because we rotate who preaches each week um, on, a, on a rotation there. And so it was cool. And Raiden's like, I need you to talk about evangelism and missions. And he knew that's like, that's my jam. That's my thing. When I, when I talk about missions, I like, that's no joke. I'm for real. I love missions. I mean, it, it is just what I live for. And, I, and, and I've thought about that. Like, you guys don't know me to, like, know that's true. Um, so I wanted to share a scripture with you from Romans 9. Just to, Paul writes this, and it just resonates. It's been resonating with me a lot lately. And so I want, I know it's not the text. We're, we're going to be in Acts 1, but I just want you to hear what Paul says. This is what he, what he says. He says, I'm speaking the truth in Christ. So he's, like, letting them know. Like, I, I really for real mean this. Like, this is not me just kind of blowing smoke. This is serious. He goes, I am not lying, but my conscience bears witness, bears me witness in the Holy Spirit that I have great sorrow and unceasing anguish in my heart. For I could wish that myself were accursed and cut off from Christ 
for the sake of my brothers, my kinsmen, according to the flesh. They are Israelites, and to them belong the adoption, the glory, the covenants, the giving of the law, the worship, and the promises. To them belong the patriarchs, and from their race, according to the flesh, is the Christ, who is God over all, blessed forever. Amen. I mean, Paul, he's saying, like, if, if I could lose my own salvation, if I, if I could just be cut off from Christ for the sake of everyone else, I would do it. It's not possible. He can't lose his salvation. He can't remove his salvation. God's not going to remove it. He's saved by grace through faith alone, not by works. It's not happening. But he's saying it breaks my heart that much. There's people who are going to die apart from Jesus Christ and spend eternity separated from God in hell. Like that destroyed him. It's unceasing anguish. And when I moved back to Collinsville, my hometown, to plant the church, that was, that was my heart. I was like, I cannot fathom the idea that there's people who are going to die and just go to hell. And no one cares. Like, there's a reason why we're planting churches. Like, it's not because there's a hundred good churches all over the place that are preaching the gospel faithfully and creating good environments and community and trying to actually reach people. It's because there's a lot of lack of gospel-centered churches doing what they're called to biblically do. And so I moved back, and I'm like, I have to do this. Like, this is, this is it. This is all that matters in my life. And it's easy for then for me to say that and for you guys to hear me like, well, that's great. You're a pastor. It's what you get paid to do. You should do that. You should care. But the reality is it's each and every one of you, you're called to this very thing. This is not a matter of profession and vocation. This is a matter of God saved you, and he has not called you home yet. And so you're here to do what he's called you to do, which is to make disciples, or as Acts 1.8 puts it, to be his witness, to go out, to be his witness to the ends of the earth, locally and then to the ends of the earth. And we're, and we're going to talk about that. And, and here's the, the problem is I think so often when people hear that, they think, well, that's not my job. Like I just said, like, that's not my job. That's not, I'm, I'm an engineer, I'm a teacher, I'm a nurse, I'm a college student, whatever it is. Like, I just don't feel called to do that. Everyone has a role to play. I mean, you, you think of the Trinity, okay? You have God the Father, God the Son, and God the Spirit. Like, this is one God revealed to us in three ways, all playing different roles, all doing different things, right? Like God the Father sends the Son. The Son sends the Spirit. Like they're in this perfect working concert of doing what they do as one God revealed in three different ways. And so why I say that is we are created in the image of God. He says, let us create man in our image. Like this is, he's not, it's not singular. He's very much saying in our image. And so when we are created in his image as a triune God, what we know then is we are each created differently, yet we're the same. Like, economically, we're the same. Like, there is no hierarchy in the Godhead. Like, they're all the same. And so for us, there's no hierarchy within the body of Christ. Like, dude, I ain't working in kids. I don't do that. Like, I just don't do well there. It would literally create anxiety through my body, and I, and I, I just, it's not my jam. You don't want me singing. I don't even clap and beat, guys. For real. Like, I was, th- I was thinking about Raiden's son that's in, in, you know, AIT and he did basic training. I was in Army Reserve, and, like, when we were trying to march, I can't repeat exactly how the drill sergeant said it to me because it's, we're at church. And, but basically, like, Seton, why can't you march? I'm like, drill sergeant, I am trying my best, but I do not have any rhythm. 
which ex- resulted in me getting smoked, okay? Like, you don't have rhythm, you do push-ups. Like, that's how it goes. And so my point in this is, like, I don't have the giftings that some of you guys have. And some of you would have complete anxiety to get up here and to speak or to do the things that I'm, I'm gifted at, but I'm not gifted the way you're gifted. I, I want you to hear that because today as I, as I push in really hard, like, what is your role in reaching people? I, I don't want you to, like, just check check out and be like, that's not for me, because it is. It's just going to look different for each person where you're at. So I want to ask you this question this morning. If you're a note taker, write this down. How is God calling you to share in the responsibility of his global mission? How is God calling you to share in the responsibility of his global mission? This is not for the super Christian. This is not for the missionary. This is for all of us. I think if in 2 Peter 1, he starts off his letter, his epistle to who he's writing to, and he's, he tells them that he's writing to those who have obtained an equal faith as ours by the righteousness of Jesus. I mean, think about it, that's Peter. And he's saying ours. Like, so he's talking about the other apostles. So the people he's writing to, he's saying, you've obtained an equal faith. Like, I, I'm hoping, like, I've drilled this into your head enough. Like, you're not lesser than. Like, you are all created with a purpose for God's global mission. And so I ask you again, how is God calling you to share in that global mission? What is he calling you to do? Because here's the deal. Y'all moving into a new building in a couple months, or we're at least going to be closing next month, right? Like, it's about time. I get it. Trust me. Like, set up a teardown is not fun. Um, We we just, yeah. Uh, It's been a bit for me. I ain't stacked no chairs in a long time. And like we've been, we were we were blessed very very early on with a very small building, but it worked and it was cheap. And so we moved in, and we just moved into a new building back in November, and we have more space, and it's it's amazing. But I can tell you this: as experiencing that, people are getting ready to come. Like they're for real. Like there's people who they just as much as we don't like it in the, in America, buildings matter. Buildings matter to to people looking for a church. There's going to be people who are going to start coming, people who are just going to want to check you out, people who are going to just be looking for a new church because they're not happy where they're at. There's going to be all these different circumstances. And so if you don't think that you have a role, you better figure it out because you do, and they're going to, you're going to need to, everyone's going to have to pull their weight. Yeah. Like, I can say that because y'all can get mad at me, and you don't have to, I don't have to deal with you. Raiden, get the emails tomorrow. <laughs> you're going to have a responsibility. And so you're thinking, man, that sounds like a lot. You're, you're telling me I have a responsibility in reaching people and being part of this church and, and do, these people are going to come. And how am I going to do that? Well, I'm going to give you a big idea for the day. And it's this, a global God empowers and sends his people to be witnesses from the neighborhood to the nations. So a global God, he's empowering you and he's sending you to the, to the neighborhoods and to the nations. He's not just saying, you're saved, go live your life until I call you home. So we're going to break down Acts 1, 6 through 8, and see how that all plays out. And so the, our first point then, that's, that's our big idea, the global God empowers and sends us to be his witnesses from the neighborhood to the nations. Our first point then is we are citizens of a global kingdom. Like, we don't think that way. Like, we, someone asks, like, who are you? Well, I'm David. Where are you from? I'm from Collinsville. Tell me more. If I'm in another country, like, well, I'm from America. Like, that's, that's how we talk. We're citizens of the United States. But Jesus saw it different. So he's, he's got his followers after he's risen, and, and they've now gone, and they're, they're talking before he's going to ascend to heaven. And when they come together, he, they ask, Lord, when will you restore the kingdom of Israel? It's a good question by a good 
Jewish Christians. That's who they were. They were Jewish Christians. They're Israelites. They knew, like, the kingdom of Israel is going to be restored one way or another. Like, when are you going to do it? Like, we, you've done everything you said you were going to do. You died. You rose again. So let's get this, let's get this show on the road, right? And Jesus says, not so quick. Not so quick. Just hold on a second. Because that question, it's based on all the covenants, right? Like, they knew the Torah. They knew the covenant with Noah and, and Abraham and Moses and David and all this. They, they had that expectation. And, and then what we do is we almost ask the same question now. God, when are you going to fix things? God, when are you going to return? Like, I'm sick of this. Like, it's a mess. I turn on the news, and everything's just so jacked up. I don't know what to think, and, and I don't know what to do anymore. Like, it creates anxiety in me. Everything's a mess. God, when are you going to return? And so it's a good question to ask, but he gives a very simple answer. He just says it's not for you to know. It's not for you to know the times or the seasons that the Father has fixed by his own authority. And he gets into what's going to happen next. And so do you want a clue into, like, when he's going to restore Israel? Because their their thoughts is narrow, but yet it is a valid question. It's simple. Matthew 24, 14, he says that this gospel, the kingdom, will be preached to all the nations, and then the end will come. Then the end will come. Like, we can read through Scripture, and we see, like, there's going to be someone from every tribe, nation, people group, tongue, before the throne of God worshiping him. Like, at least one. At least one there worshiping him. So, like, he's not finished. There's more to be reached. And so, so often what they were doing and what we do is they're thinking geographically Israel, the temple, people coming to the temple. And you think, well, that's silly. Like, they know, like, people from the nations can't come to the temple. Well, we do the same thing. It's why we all need buildings. It's why Heights needs a building. And it's why you need a building because everyone just expects that to go to a building for church. And yet, really, we need to be going out, and that's what he's telling him. We're going to expand the kingdom of Israel. Stop thinking of these borders geographically of kingdom of Israel. I'm going to send you out to be my witnesses to the ends of the earth, and so the kingdom of Israel is just going to keep expanding and expanding until a new Israel literally comes down, a new Jerusalem, and here we all are for eternity then. Like, it's not a matter of, like, people just coming into this one spot. Like, I, when I was a kid, and I, like, because you can read, like, the size of, of, like, the new Jerusalem and heaven and all that and, and Revelation, it freaked me out. I started reading, I was like, that's not going to be big enough. <laughs> <laughs> I'm not going to make it in. I'm a mess. Like, I was scared. But, like, as I grew into my theology and doctrine and my understanding, like, okay, that's not exactly, like, that's just part of it. The world's getting, yeah, we're not going to get in. I'll, I'll start chasing down that rabbit hole. It's not even in my notes. So, but geographically, he's expanding. He's like, no, it's not just here in Israel, in the Middle East. It's, I'm expanding it because you go out. So God's answer then to the world isn't come to me. It's I'm going to go to you. I mean, that's the God that he has been since the very beginning of creation, a God who comes to us. Like literally Adam and Eve are hiding in the garden. He doesn't just sit back and, well, they'll find me eventually, and then I'll have to tell them that they're naked and that they sinned and then cover them up and go through this whole, you know, spiel about me sending someone to crush the head of the snake, right? Like he, he goes and he finds them. And that's what he's doing. He's using us now, the church, his body, to go out and to find those who are hiding in their sin and shame. 
It's us. He's saying, go. Go do this. So the borders of the kingdom are expanding to encompass every tribe, every nation, every tongue. His kingdom is like a kaleidoscope of people. There's 17,432 people groups right now in the world by our human calculations. Now, to say that's exactly dead on, I don't know. God, that's God's call, right? But that's by our calculation, a people group would be someone whose like, cultural differences are very different than everyone else around them. Maybe their dialect, it could be the same language, but yet their dialect is different. So that defines a people group, very specific. Like we go to Indonesia, for example. There's, I think, 70, there might be 70, yeah, 70 different people groups just in Indonesia alone. Like that's a, that's a lot. And I think my number's off, but that's, I'm just trying to recall that from, from memory. Regardless, out of that 17,432, 7,416 are unreached with the gospel. Unreached. No gospel. They don't have Bibles to go to. They don't have a church down the road. There's not a Christian neighbor or co-worker who can tell them about Jesus. They're unreached with the gospel. And God is not going to stop until they are part of the kingdom. That's Matthew 24, 14 getting played out. And so he's saying, like, hey, we're not going to restore Israel how you're thinking. God's got everything fixed. The Father's got all this timing fixed. And his chosen method to do that is us, the church. Now, for you guys, of all churches in the Metro East, are the most unique in, in, in this. Because not only do you have your neighbors in your backyards, but yet you have SIUE, who probably many of you in this room are students at. Literally, the nations are coming to you. Unreached people groups are getting moved over here to go to school in your own backyard. You're in class with them. You're in the common areas with them. You're doing whatever you do, like they're there. And they're eventually, whether they stay and live here permanently, they're going to go back to their families at some point. They're going to go visit their, their, their country where their origin is. And if you can share the gospel with them here and their hearts are transformed, then they're going to take it back there. If they're truly transformed with the gospel, they're going to understand, like, I am called to do this. Yes, I live here in America now, but when I go back to visit my mom and dad and cousins, grandparents, whatever, they're going to tell them. Like, they're going to tell them. We don't always have to go to the nations, and I say that very carefully because I love missions, and I think people should go on international missions because it just changes your perspective of the world that you live in, and it's an amazing opportunity God has given our churches here in America, but you have the people here. And for those of you in this room, you're like, well, I'm not in college. I, I already did that thing. I'm not going back. I don't want to do any more classes. I get it. Student loans suck, and you, and you don't want to <laughs> go back to doing classes, right? Like, but you all live here. You go to Walmart. You go to Target. You go to Starbucks. You know college students that probably are sick of eating, you know, at a cafeteria or whatever it is you guys do at SIUE. I did school online because I was older when I went to school, so I don't even know what college life is like. I had twins, and I was just up at 1 to 4 every morning trying to do schoolwork because I went to school when I was 26. I don't know what y'all do, but I guarantee you wouldn't mind getting invited over for a meal and they can bring their friends along that don't know Jesus, never even heard of Jesus, and don't even know anything about the Bible. Like there's opportunities here. And you think, well, okay, this is a lot, 
I don't think I can do it. Well, the next thing that we see in here is that we are empowered by the global God who has all power. We're empowered by God. He has all power and authority. Like he says that, Jesus says in Matthew 28, as he's basically giving the same speech. I'm wondering, I've always wondered, like, is this the same speech? And this is just how Luke saw it, and then that's how Matthew saw it. And but Jesus says, he's like, I've got all, all power and dominion and authority here and on earth and in heaven. And so we are empowered by that God. Because he says, but you will receive power when the Holy Spirit has come upon you and you'll be my witnesses. And we'll, we'll just stop there for, for right now. But he's saying, like, it's coming. Like, you're not just going to just have to figure this out and, and try to, like, have this white-knuckle discipline where you're just like, I got this. You don't. You can't. We're too messed up. Like, I'm, I got ADHD. I'm like, if it was just like me just trying to focus, I'd be all over the place. I can't. Like, Jesus has done something in me that, like, I'm... If I'm honest, like, I'm a pretty self-centered person. I love myself. Like, I want me to have everything the way I like it. Just ask my wife. So, like, for me to care that deeply about other people's souls, it's because God did something in me. It's not just because I'm a good person. I can be an arrogant jerk. I know that about myself. And so God has done something in me. He's changed me. And it's only because that God has sent his power literally in me. So if you're here and you're a Christian, like the Holy Spirit dwells in you. And it's not just like this, oh, that was nice. Like in Acts 2, like Holy Spirit comes rushing in. So when the Holy Spirit comes in, he's like, bam, he's there. He's got you and he's empowered you. And however you're gifted and however you're gifted, he's like, I already know I created you. I knitted you together in your mother's womb. I created good works for you to walk in before time even began. And now I'm giving you the power in you to go and to do it. He knew that. He knew we needed that. So he's, he doesn't give them some definite answer. He's not giving us some definite answer when he's going to return. He's just saying, I've empowered you. You're going to receive this power, and now you're going to go be my witnesses. So you're gifted and more competent than you could ever even imagine. Like, think of that. Like, if you believe that God is all-powerful, sovereign over all things, his spirit dwells in you. You cannot ask for more power. Now, you may be dwindling that away and wasting it because you don't want to read your Bible, you don't want to pray, you don't want to be in community, and you are selfish with your time. Like, literally, I said in my missional community, which is probably the same as what you guys do, gospel, gospel community, so it's probably very similar, and we talked about doing, like, being on mission this past week, and people were like, yeah, it's... I don't want to give up my time. Well, I get that. But our time's really not our time. It's God's time. Otherwise, you wouldn't be here. So, like, we do this. Like, we, we have to go and, and because he's given us the power. Jesus even tells us that in, in John 14, 12. He says, truly, truly, I say to you, whoever believes in me will also do the works that I do. And greater works than these will he do because I am going to the Father. And he knew he was going to send his spirit to be in you. That's that empowering. So you might be wondering, okay, what does that look like? Well, have you ever been in a conversation with someone about spiritual things, biblical things, and all of a sudden you're like, just bam, like scripture just comes to you and, and you say it and you're like, dang, I didn't, I didn't know I remember that. Like, where'd that come from? And the Holy Spirit, that's it. Like, that's where it comes from. Like, he works in us. And, or maybe you like have this gut feeling you need to talk to someone. It's not your gut. Like, you, you go see a doctor or go to the bathroom. It's not your gut. Like, it's the Holy Spirit, right? Like, he's telling you, like, hey, like, you need, to, you need to go. You need to talk to this person. 
Like, I'm setting this up for you. Like, I'm setting it on a tee. Just do your thing now. Like, talk to him. He's going to empower you to do that. It's those little things where God uses you that you didn't know you could do it. He's at work in you. Many of you don't know my wife, but, like, she is the complete opposite of me. Like, for real. She balances me out so well because I am, like, super intense. I'm always on the go. I can't sit still. And I'm very, very, like, in the moment, make decisions. Just, I'm a mess. And she's calm. She's type B. She's an introvert and just everything. Like, like again, I said, like, she, like, kids, that's her thing. She does great with kids. She would probably pass out if she had to stand up here for more than a minute, and she wouldn't even want to be up here for the minute that she would be up here. But back in 2012, I think it was, she went to Uganda when we were at a different church in southern Illinois. And so in Uganda, this missionary group that we were with, you, you just walk the slums and you share the gospel house after house. And when I say house, it's really just like a shack, whatever they could throw together. And so they were in this big open area, and there's a guy named Deo who is just, he's one of the most amazing Christian men I've ever met in my life. Literally can give you a synopsis of every chapter of the Bible. I can't tell you how many chapters are in every book of the Bible. And I have a seminary degree. This man could tell you, he'd be like, Leviticus 4, and he'd be like, give you a 30-second rundown of what Leviticus 4 is about. Like crazy. So Deo shares the gospel with about 50 or so people standing there. And he says, anyone, would anyone like to respond and, and receive Christ today? No hands go up. Deo taps my wife. He's like, Emily, share your story and share the gospel. So my wife, she was raised Catholic. She came to know Christ around 19, 20 years old. She shares her testimony, and then she shares the gospel. By this time, there's 70-plus people gathered around her. There's a picture I didn't send it, but there's a, there's a picture, and, and it, you have my wife, who's white, surrounded by 70-plus Ugandans, just like in this open area of the slums. And she says, would anyone like to receive Christ? Every hand went up, every single hand. And, here, and here's why. It would have made sense that if Deo led 50-plus people to Christ, like, he literally, he is the Ugandan Billy Graham. Like, this dude, I'm for real. He's amazing. Like, he is amazing. But then you take my quiet, reserved, introverted wife who would rather just, you know, be helping with someone's kids. Someone else could go out and do that. And he uses her. Why? Because he uses what is not wise in this world to do what he does. And you think, okay, well, that's awesome. But hear me, that, that can be done in you too. Not, it doesn't have to be in Uganda, but it can be here. You're thinking, I can't drum up conversations. I can't do that. God will use you to his glory. But if you do not give him any room to do so, then you're going to miss out. Like that was something my, my wife will never forget. I mean, it happened like 12 years ago, but she could tell you that story way better than I could Like because she was there. She lived it out. She saw it. Like don't miss out on what God is empowering you to do. Like you guys are uniquely positioned here as a church at a very important time with this building. Like, this is huge. I don't know. I'm not here every Sunday. I'm not, you know, talking to all of you each week. I hope you get what God is doing. Like, it has been a long road to get to this spot where you guys are going to have your own space. And I want you to hear me. Like, it is going to be something that God is going to use 
to his glory, not Red Hills, not Raiden, not to you guys, to, for his glory, because there are too many lost people in the Edwardsville Glen Carbon area, and God's going to use that building. He's going to use that building so you guys have a resource, a tool. And it's not just so, hey, come here, come here, so because we, we got cool stuff and we got this cool space. It's going to give you guys just like a center to send out to go, to reach. And then when you need something like a place to gather because a home maybe doesn't make sense, you got a place to go. I'm telling you, and God's going to empower you to do everything that you need to do. So are you going about your life expecting God to use you in that way? If not, wake up because he will. Like he, he, you're here. You're alive. He's not finished with you. He's prepared those good works, like I already said. Like, so if you don't expect him to, like you're missing it. It's the whole purpose of your life is to be just completely satisfied in the glory of God and then to go to make that declared to the nations. That is the purpose of your life. That's it. And that's our next point is we exist for the sole purpose of making God known from the neighborhoods to the nations. Like who doesn't want to know the purpose of their life? I mean, like, some of you, like, in college, I don't know, maybe you're, like, still, like, I don't even know what my major is. Like, I don't know what to do. I, I, do I want to get married in the next five years? Do I want to have kids? And, and some of you are sitting here, like, you know, in your 30s or 40s or 50s, and you're like, college, not knowing the purpose of your life? I still don't know the purpose of my life. I just feel like I'm just going through this daily routine. I just keep doing the same thing, like Groundhog Day. Your purpose is simple. It's to make God known to the nations to glorify him. That's it. That's it. I mean, this is what Scripture tells us. Listen to these, just these different verses. Psalm 67, 1 and 2. May, be, may God be gracious to us and bless us and make his face shine upon us, that your way may be known on earth and your saving power among all nations. Psalm 86, verse 9. All the nations you have made shall come and worship before you, O Lord, and shall glorify your name. Are you catching the theme? Psalm 117, verse 1. Praise the Lord, all nations. Extol him, all peoples. Revelation 7, 9 through 12. And after this, I looked, and behold, a great multitude that no one could number, from every nation, from all tribes and peoples and languages, standing before the throne and before the Lamb, clothed in white robes, with palm branches in their hands, crying out with a loud voice, salvation belongs to our God who sits on the throne and to the Lamb. And all the angels are standing around the throne and around the elders and around the four living creatures. And they fell on their faces before the throne and worshiped God saying, amen, blessing and glory and wisdom and thanksgiving and honor and power and might be to our God forever and ever. Amen. Like this is where we're heading that's where we're going. Scripture has been pointing to this since the beginning of time, that this is what is meant to be, is that we would worship him, that we would live for him. Like all those verses are pointing about the glory of God that deserves to be worshiped by all nations because he created all people. And we get to be part of that. I think of the honor. Like I said it's an honor to get to preach here, and it is. But my gosh, I get to be part of ushering in that? And you do too. And yet sometimes we'll sit back and we'll say we're bored. What are you bored for? Like, it's because you're not living on mission. Like, you're just looking for something else to satisfy your time. Of course you're bored. You spent three hours scrolling through Facebook on your smartphone. I would be bored too. 
Like, you know what? And like, I'm being for real. Like, if you're bored and you're too distracted, then delete the stuff off your phone. I did. I got tired of it. I was like, this is, I would get those stupid iPhone reports of how much time I spend on my phone. I was like, oh my gosh, what is wrong with me? Like, finally, it just hit me, and I was sitting in a sermon, and Corey, the other pastor, he's preaching, and he said something, and it just, like, registered in my head, like, in Matthew 7, and it's, like, about how something caused you to sin, cut your freaking hand off, just cut it off. And I was like, well, I'm not looking at stuff I'm supposed to, but I sure am being slothful and wasting time. And literally, Facebook, Instagram, Twitter, gone. And then for a while, like, Elon bought Twitter. So like, I was like, ooh, what's going on on Twitter now? So then I downloaded it again. And then like a couple weeks ago, I was like, what is wrong? This is stupid. Like, I'm just using this instead of Facebook and Instagram. I still have my accounts, but it's a lot harder to go get on an iPad or, or computer, right? Like to check it out instead of just sitting there on the toilet, scrolling through Facebook and like been in there for 40 minutes now. Like, you laugh, but you know I'm, that's the truth, right? Like, we all do it. Some of you got kids, and you're like, this is like my only moment of silence. Like, they can't talk to me in here. They're like, Mom, Dad, and you're like, still going, give me a second. And you're reading comments for hours. We can't think that we don't have time to do this. We do. We have time to do this. It's not optional. Acts 1.8 we see it as like this optional thing for some Christians. We see the Great Commission in Matthew 28 as this option for some Christians. It is what we are called to do. But here's the problem. We, a lot of times, see this as then, not and. And what I mean by that is the second part of verse 8, he says, the Holy Spirit has come upon you, and you will be my witnesses in Jerusalem and in all Judea and Samaria and to the end of the earth, not then. So often people say to me, well, David, there's, there's lost people, there's unreached people here. The only way that you could vow, like, give me, and this is unique literally to Edwardsville and Glen Carbon, or if someone worked at a major university, the only way you're around unreached people is at that school. That's it. For those of you that aren't in college and you just work at, you know, in an accounting office or at a school and you're just around just normal, everyday Americans, they are not unreached because you're there. You are their access to the gospel. They can go to church. The church is all over the place. I passed probably 10 on my way here from Collinsville. So they're not unreached. Are there lost people here? Yes, an abundance of them. But that does not mean that we do not go to other places. Like we are called to go to all those places consecutively at the same time. Like, not like there shouldn't be, I'm not saying there should always be a team leaving from here to go to another country, but it should always be on the forefront, like thinking through, like, how do we reach people outside of the Metro East? How do we reach people outside of the St. Louis region? What do we do? And sometimes, and I want to talk about this because I think that we, we see it and we, and we really, like, make it this Acts 1-8 model of missions, and I think we take it the wrong way. And I'm going to break that down for you because when we see that, we're like, eh, I, I don't know. I don't really want to go far, far away because that makes me uncomfortable and I don't know and I don't have vacation time. But think about it this way. You have what he's saying as Jerusalem. I would say that is right here where you live, work, and play. For just to put it in those terms. So you guys all have your own specific neighborhood that you live in. You have your hobbies, your kids' sports, gym that you go to. That's your Jerusalem. Not just, not just Edwardsville or Glen Carbon, 
but your very specific way of doing life and where you spend the majority of your time. That's, that's normal, but usually we would say, well, that's the city that you live in or the county that you live in. That's Jerusalem. And I think it's different. I think he's saying, like, these are your people, these Jews that live in Jerusalem. That, that's, your, that's your people. And then he says, in all Judea. Now, you're getting a little bit broader in their context of who that would be. And so that means, like, yeah, you're going out to the rest of the Metro East in a sense. Like, because you're going to run into people who don't share all the same things that you share. Because, like, if the people in your neighborhood, like, they get your neighborhood. The people at your gym, they get it. The, the parents on the soccer team, whatever. Like, you know, they all, they get your rhythm of life because they're living the same rhythm of life. But as you go out to the Judea, like, you're like, yeah, this is, these people are a little different. They don't like the same things I like. They do things differently. And so, like, it's broader. Now, Samaria, you're thinking, well, now i got to go somewhere completely different in the country to do Samaria. No, you don't. Do you realize, like, Samarians, like, in this culture would have been, like, someone they completely did not fit in with at all? Just go down to Fairmont City. Like, literally, just go down to Fairmont City. 90% Mexican. Not even Hispanic. Like, it's very specific. Like, it's 90% Mexican. So, like, you're like, I want to be out of my context. I want to be out of my, you know, cultural norm that I, and, like, be where I'm not the predominant race and language. Go down there. It's there. You don't have to go far at all. It'd take you 20 minutes to get there. Not far at all. You can go down to East St. Louis. Uh, I'm assuming most of you guys know Mike Bird. That, like, go hang out with Mike Bird over in North St. Louis. You won't be the predominant person there anymore. Same language, but culturally, it's completely different. So sometimes you don't have to like go all the way to California to be in Samaria. You just need to go somewhere where you're not the everyone's not white. Like literally, that's just it. Like it's just that simple. Now sometimes you should go places, other places, obviously, and then it says to go to the ends of the earth. And we're like, well, that's a lot of time. It is. Like, I'm going to take a trip to Mexico in May to help a church plant down there. I'm going to go to Indonesia at some point this year. And there's a part of me I'm pumped, and there's a part of me I'm like, gosh, dang, that's a long time on a plane. Last time I went to Indonesia back in, in August, it just flat got me. Like, my back was jacked up from the flight. I got sick while I was there on the way home. It was hard. And so, like, there's a part of me I'm, like, a little bit dreading it. Like, I'm a little bit nervous. I'm like, man, I don't know. I'm getting older. Maybe, like, I can't do this as much as I thought I used to. But yet, I'm excited to go because it's like I get to go to the ends of the earth. But some of you, got the, like I said, you got the ends of the earth right there at your school. But that doesn't mean you don't go. And here's what gets me. Like, I don't know if you knew this or not, but there's billions of dollars spent on missions every year through, through churches in, in America. Billions of dollars. But statistics show that 99% of them are spent on places that have access to the gospel already. That means 1% of billions of dollars is spent on places that have no access to the gospel. You want to know why? It's my own personal opinion. I'm no, like, researcher or anything. Because it's easy. It's easy to go to a country that's only, like, a five-hour flight and that, you know, you feel more comfortable because, oh, it's more safe. It's, you know, I don't feel endangered or they, it's just easier, whatever. God's sovereign. If you're, if you're going to go, just trust that he's sovereign. He's going to take care of you. And, and then here's the other thing is most missionaries that get sent out, they go to places that already have access to the gospel. 
Now, that's radically changing in times because you have nations that are, you know, becoming more and more post-Christian, and, and, they're, and they're, so there's, the next generation gets, you know, less and less indoctrined with that. But, like, that's, that's just not what we're called to do. And, and so, see, I did have this in my notes. I talked about earlier being the unreached people groups in Indonesia, so I did have it in here. I was wrong. I was way off. So it's 70%, not 70 people groups. 70% of Indonesia is unreached. It's spread over 241 unreached people groups. Just in one country. Like I know, you, I know Raiden's been to India. Uh, who knows? I, don't, I haven't never done research. I guarantee there's a ton of unreached people groups there. Like have you ever thought about going? Now I would say if you haven't thought about sharing the, the gospel with your neighbor or your you know, the person across the hall from you in your dorm or whatever, then you might want to do that first before you try to get on a plane. Because, like, if you can't figure that out, good luck over there because it, it is different. But, like, have you ever thought about that? Like, it just can't just be this box that we checked that we did it once. And we're done. We gave to Annie Armstrong or we gave to Lottie Moon or whatever. I don't know. Like, you guys probably do that or fra- maybe phrase it different. We just call it a, a end of your giving, and, you know, but we know, like, it's going to these different missions things. I don't want anyone to, I wrote a check. I wrote a check in December. We're good. I've done my part for missions. You have to see where your role is in this. Like, I, I just, I hope that you're getting it today. Like, together, you guys can achieve what God has called you to do. Like, as I said, everyone has got works that God prepared beforehand. But then, really, if you think about it collectively, that means there's works that only Red Hill can accomplish. Just Red Hill. Heights can't do it. Like we got missional communities in Edwardsville. But it's not the same. It's just not. Like, because there's people that are gonna meet folks from our missional community, they live in Edwardsville, and they're gonna be like, I don't want to drive to Collinsville. Especially if they're like a more in the north end of Edwardsville. They're like, that's too far. I want to drive 20 minutes. I don't want to. That's where there's you're here. This is your home. You have to care and know, like, God has called you to be witnesses in all these places. There's a quote by David Platt that I just, I really, I wanted to share with you because I just, I think it's just dead on. So what he says, he says, you can be passionate about reaching the nations with the gospel without being a missionary. It's called being a Christian. Like, you can be passionate about this without being a pastor. It's being a Christian. You have to care. People are dying and going to hell. Like, please, like, hear me today. It's like, as you sit here, like, each of us has different goals in our life and jobs and kids and hobbies. Some of us have different levels of money. But we could do way more. And some of us are like, hey, I'm pretty limited in that, that sphere. Like, you, you've got access to things that not everyone has access to. You have different levels of time, maybe because your kids are moved out or you don't have kids yet or this the age of your kids. Like, everything is strategically aligned for you to be missionally strategic in what you do. So I'm going to give you a few questions as we wrap up. I'm going to pray for us. After I read these questions, I think they're going to be on the screen, and then as the band comes back up, it's just something for you guys to, like, really consider and to, and to think about. First question is this. If you haven't prayed and made yourself available, then how do you know if you're called to the ends of the earth or not? And I don't just mean like short-term or long-term. I just mean in general. So how do you know? How do you know you're not called to go and do something more than what you're doing now? Maybe you're a college student. You're sitting here and, like you're th- and you don't even know. Like, 
Really, this idea of going and working in an office for the next 40 years until I can retire, that sounds miserable. Like, I don't want to do that. Have you ever just stopped and prayed and asked God, like, what your calling on your life is? Like, there's people not answering the call to ministry anymore at all. So, like, I, just to reword this question for note takers out there, like, have you just prayed and asked God, like, are you even called to ministry? Maybe it's called to go be a children's director or pastor or youth pastor. Like, they cannot get resumes for youth pastors right now. Like, they're, they're not there. They're, no one's applying. So have you prayed about it and made yourself available? Next, this is for everyone to think about. Is your life oriented in a way that brings you the most glory or oriented in a way to bring God the most glory? Like, are the things that you're doing daily, in and out, the things that you always do, is that, glory, is that to bring you the most glory? Maybe it's to bring your kids the most glory with their select sports and their travel teams and, and all the cool stuff that they get to go do. Because, man, look at my kid on Instagram and Facebook. You know, you're glorifying your kid instead of God. Maybe. Like, have, have you really thought that through? And then lastly, I'm just asking you, will you pray about how God would use you to spread the gospel in the neighborhood's and to the nations. Will you faithfully pray and ask God, how would you use me to spread your gospel? Let's pray. God, I thank you for your word. I thank you that you saw fit to save all of us. God, to be part of your, what you called us to do. I mean, this is absolutely amazing. We get to do this. We don't, um, it's not something you forced on us, but yet, Lord, you saved us because you loved us and you gave us a purpose in it. So God, I pray that you'll work in our hearts and mine included, Lord, as we get just maybe lazy or we get self-centered, God, that you, you'll draw us back in. You'll refocus us on, on the mission to reach those who are far, far from you, those who've rejected your, your love, rejected your grace. God, help us to show them that love and show them that grace through us living our lives out to love them, to serve them, to tell them about who you are. And God, I pray for Red Hill as they are moving into this new season. Lord, I pray that you will provide every last resource and penny that they need to do what they're going to do. God, I pray that, God, you'll use that building to your glory to reach Eddersville and Glen Carbon and surrounding areas. And God, I, I just I pray that there will be so many souls saved and people baptized right there Sunday after Sunday. We pray this in Jesus' name. Amen. Thank you for tuning in to this episode of the Red Hill Church Sermon Podcast. If you have any questions about this message, our church, or the gospel, or if you'd like to get in touch with one of our elders, you can visit our website at www.redhill.church. Navigate to the I'm New tab and click the option for Connection Card. Filling out this online card will allow you to get in touch with us, and one of our elders will follow up as soon as possible. Thanks for listening and be sure to check back next week as we continue to study and apply God's word together.